There's no NBA basketball today, but last night might have been one of the greatest regular season days in NBA history. So many amazing games, so many things to break down, a lot of drama unfolding in the league. Patrick and I are going to give our thoughts on the NBA in-season tournament and the Mavericks, one of our favorite teams. Are they legit contenders? They only have one loss. Let's get into foul trouble. What was your favorite game from last night? Uh, I mean, my Timberwolves. <laughs> Anthony Edwards has arrived. Um, the Timberwolves look legit. Yeah, the Timberwolves look absolutely amazing. This is one of those weird games where, like, Anthony Edwards is, like, completely taken over. Jaden McDaniels is locking up, you know, Tatum and Brown in clutch time moments. Anthony Edwards is locking up Tatum. And you're like, the Timberwolves have arrived. And then the Timberwolves skeptic is like, Carl Anthony Towns was on the court last night. I didn't even notice. For those of you that missed it, the Timberwolves um, beat the league-leading undefeated Boston Celtics 114-109 to 109 in overtime. The Timberwolves are the only team to have beaten the Celtics. They're the only team to have beaten the Nuggets. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, you're... I get being a little bit worried about um, Cat being in that kind of foul trouble, but um, <laughs> oh, but like, let's but but let's talk about. I mean, let's talk about Ant. Like honestly, like you know, one thing I feel like Ant has in his game that I don't love still is that like pull up three early in the shot clock. I feel like that's not really his game. Overtime starts, Ant completely takes over. He's scoring bucket after bucket after bucket. And they ask him after the game, like, what got into you? And he's like, well, I had to make up for the end of the game in overtime. And he's like, you did big time. He stripped Tatum at one point or forced a jump ball or forced a yeah. timeout. Like, Well, what I was really impressed with by Ant is, like, not only did he just, like, take over the game, but at the at the very end of the first half, he picks up his third foul. So he's in foul trouble for pretty much the entire second half, and it didn't affect how he was playing at all. He is just, he was still playing with this hyper aggression on both sides of the ball. And like you touched on, a couple of those like late fourth quarter possessions versus Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's just passing out of it when he gets the ball. It was. It was so impressive. Like I, you, I really can't say enough about how impressed I was from Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I know today's not our big. Are the Timberwolves maybe dark horse contenders discussion? But what do you think about their ability to have Jaden McDaniels and like Anthony Edwards just say, "Hey, the other team has two really good wings." Like in a Clippers matchup, maybe like they're like, "Hey, you got Kawhi, you got Paul George." Like, we yeah, feel pretty good about that defensively. We're the Timberwolves. I mean, defensively, I'm feeling great about it. I I think it goes down to is Jaden McDaniels going to hit his open shots? Because last night he did. When last night he closed the game yeah. with a crossover on Porzingis into a mid range bucket. He he was <laughs> he hit four threes. Like his jumper looked pretty good, and it at least came up when they needed it most. But like reputation matters and like that's not always how um Jaden McDaniels has been known to play also you know Ant can be a little streaky at times so but you know if you're holding a team like the Celtics to 109 points 
with an overtime, like, I guess maybe it doesn't matter, like, quite as much. How do you feel? I know you're a little bit lower on the Timberwolves coming into the year. Like, what what have you thought early season? I think it's actually a really encouraging sign for the Timberwolves for them to beat the Celtics in a game where Towns played so poorly. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good sign for them. And I feel like now I'm actually kind of seeing what the identity of this team is. It's like a hard nose, like it's ugly. Yeah. Like you want it to be pretty because you've got Ant, who aesthetically, I'm not saying he's like Jordan efficiency, winning. I'm just talking the aesthetics. It looks the most like Jordan we've ever seen. The gliding through the air. You know, Towns too, the shooting from the big man position. You you when you think of the Timberwolves, you kind of do think of this more like beautiful game in an ideal sense. But I think we're seeing the ideal version of this team is like gritty. Jaden McDaniels is like locking up Jalen Brown. It's like Rudy built Gobert is in the identity of Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah. That's what I couldn't take out of my head is like this team is built like a Rudy Gobert like to well, I emphasize his best what's what's traits. interesting is like when Rudy played on Utah and was winning his defensive player of the year year after year a lot of it was like no one on Utah can guard and this guy's still creating a top five defense whereas this Timberwolves team is more like Rudy's not as good as he once was but man, these perimeter defenders are just like helping him out so much. Yeah, like, everybody is good. Yeah, everybody is clamps all the way around. around well, the court. except except for our guy Cat, who got guy blown Kat. by Jalen Brown, which did result in Rudy Gobert getting viciously dunked on in this game. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I do you think Cat is on this team? I guess last question about the Timberwolves. Um, do you think Cat's on the team after the trade deadline? Yes, because like. Who who would fit better is is my thing. Like, if you put a Pascal Siakam in there, like I th- I think it is a, a better fit marginally, but like it's not like changing my day. And I think Cat is like that much better on offense. The fit's not great, but I still believe like Cat can win me a playoff game, like. He, he definitely has his moments in the playoffs where he's been awful, but he's had really great moments as well. That, do you think he's on, on this team? I'm just saying. If I think it's as, like 50-50. I'll be honest. If they're as good as they seem right now, they're not trading him. That's true. You That's know? True. I mean, we don't want to overblow it. I believe they are 5-2 and two after last night's game. They are, they're 4-2 and two after all that. I, I just think, like, if they're, if they're a top six seed... By the time the trade deadline rolls around, they're not shuffling the decks all that much. Unless something really big comes. Unless something huge comes, but I just, I don't know. You don't see it. It's the NBA. Yeah, Anything it is the can NBA. happen. Anything can happen. Let's talk on some other games. We're going to go more quick hitting on these other games. The Clippers lose their debut to the Knicks. I mean, I don't want to make a big deal out of losing a star-studded debut. We've seen it. The Brooklyn threesome that looked like the greatest team of all time by the end of that season lost their debut game the only concerning thing for me is like after the game Kawhi Leonard is a little like I need to get my I need to take my shots when my opportunities arise Kawhi you are the alpha on this team I don't want to hear about the Westbrook Harden ball dominance like at the end of the day this team hums and hoes as much as Kawhi does yeah I mean it's gonna take some time to figure out I think how these guys work together like I said at the at the inception of this trade i trust you Ty Lu. you got this dude one thing that i'm like very i i am scared about for the clippers mason Plumley 
Got oh yeah, injured. Julius Randle like nosedived at his knee. What like I think is like interesting about this Clippers dynamic is it's hard to take anything away from a game where like Paul George is shooting eighteen percent, right? Like that's not normal. This that tends to be an aberration. Like, but I think there is going to be a bigger question all season of like how do Westbrook and Harden fit together? Because the last time they were on a team, like we talked about, it was like very odd basketball where the Rockets are getting rid of their center and it's like very spaced out. It's like this team's spaced out, but I don't know if that's how the Clippers want to play. Um, other great things from last night, Joel Embiid, 29 points in the third quarter on 10 of 10 shooting versus the woeful Wizards. Um, the Lakers lose by one point to the Heat in a game where the Lakers' final play was LeBron drawing a double team and kicking out to Cam Reddish, who's shooting 15% on three-point shots. And Patrick, can I can I go on a little rant? I'm not the first person to bring this up. Go. But uh, uh, let me just tell you before you go on the rant, Mason Plumley has a right knee strain. So. Okay, so he'll be back. He'll be back. Um, NBA teams, when you're down one, you don't need a three! <laughs> Why are we trying up Cam Reddish? I don't know if anyone saw. Someone took a picture of Darvin Ham's clipboard before the shot, and it was a play drawn up for Cam Reddish. I'm pretty sure it was an option player where it was like, LeBron, if you have the layup, take it. If you don't, pass it out. Bam on a bio, on his depoy campaign, holding people to crazy low shooting percentages, makes LeBron kick it out to Cam Reddish, who's a terrible three-point shooter, and... It's a high IQ play from Bam. I think that's like what LeBron would do if he was in Bam's shoes, like taking notes from old father time there. Like, are, I, I'm not worried about the Lakers roster, but are we worried about Darvin Ham? I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a little bit more worried about the Lakers roster than I would be Darvin Ham. The fact that Cam Reddish is closing crunch Games? time, yeah, like, um, that, that freaks me out a little bit. And I realize. Anthony Davis, or did Anthony? Yes, Davis? Anthony Davis missed the second. Yeah, half Yeah, he of this missed game the second half of the game. Groin spasm, which you know, not ideal. If you're, what is a groin spasm? Um, it's <laughs> when your uh, groin starts spasming. <laughs> okay. which definitely is. I don't is know if that's not, an innuendo for something else. Not but. a good look. <laughs> Anthony Davis, you know what? But we'll um, rest. <laughs> but yeah, Bam and a bio man. Maybe He's awesome, man. maybe OJ was right. <laughs> Maybe he is better than for those of you missed OJ Simpson chimed in and said Bam out of bio is better than Anthony Davis. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I do think Bam's deep boy campaign, which Patrick and I predicted, is is on a good track. Um other quick kidding notes, Bucks kind of low-key struggled a little bit to win a game versus the Nets, but they win. The Bucks are kind of firmly back on the winning side. The Rockets annihilated the Kings. My Rockets optimism, my Kings pessimism take feeling so good right now. Um one other quick hitter for a game I think is interesting. The Pacers, who were bottom five in points allowed in the paint, beat the Spurs by 40. Wemby really struggled in this game. Well, I mean, when you put up 152 points, it's <laughs> it's hard for the yes. other team. So, to, the score of this game win. was 152 to 111. So uh, might need to watch that. We're gonna, we've done a lot of Wemby talk. But the game Patrick and I really want to talk about, which is going to confuse a lot of you, the Mavericks versus the Magic. Now, the reason we want to talk about this game is Patrick and I kind of did our deep dive into the Mavericks the Mavericks right now are 6-1. and one. Their one loss is to the Denver Nuggets. They have looked absolutely incredible on offense. And we're going to basically talk, do we think they're contenders? How far do we think they can go? And Patrick, two words to describe the Mavericks right now. Um, Crunch time. Crunch time. Every single 
one of their wins against yesterday against the Magic, against the Spurs, against the Nets, against the Grizzlies, against the Bulls and the Hornets. They have all had crunch time minutes. And I think yesterday's game was a little bit of a fake close game. There was no time in that game where I felt like the Mavericks weren't in complete control. But um, that's that's kind of been what has defined their season and just Luca's absolute like control when it gets to those times has been what I've been really impressed by. And I think what's kind of defined Luca's early season MVP candidacy. Um, I mean, he's shooting just lights out. Uh, 72, 71, 100%. They're all, all my stats are from, they haven't, um, updated the website with the magic game with the magic game yet, but like offensive rating of 141 and a defensive rating of 88 in the clutch. Um, like that's exactly what you want to want to see when it gets to that place. My worry is that they're playing these kind of cupcake teams and it's getting to clutch time every, every single. single time. Yeah, so, so far they've beaten the Spurs, Nets, Grizzlies, Bulls, Hornets, and now the Magic. I think one thing, not to take too much away from a random Mavericks-Magic game, but Kyrie Irving was kind of struggling coming into this game. He had played four games before this. He was shooting 10% lower than his last three seasons in his effective field goal percentage. This game, he really found his shot in the second half. And this was actually a close game at early third quarter at halftime. But once Kyrie got cooking and Luka just played at his exact same level, I mean, this team offensively, you see what they look like versus a team in the Magic who doesn't shoot the ball well. Like, their jump shooting is absolutely insane. Like, when they roll these lineups, it's like Luka, Kyrie, Hardaway, Josh Green, Grant Williams, like Seth Curry, Jaden Hardy. It's like Maxi Kleber. They have like legitimately seven guys who can really, really shoot it. I know we don't think of Grant Williams as a guy who's really, really shooting it. And I'm sure as the season progresses, he'll regress. But right now he's shooting over 50% from that, three, that is which my, is not going to sustain. We know that. But that's exactly my worry about these. All these games are so close. And you've got Grant Williams literally shooting like 56% from three over the season. And like once that regresses, even he's a 40% three point shooter, but if it one that 10% like can be big, it's a huge swing. And like, could that swing a game? Could that, cause like there's a huge difference of like going into the, even if they're down in the fourth, it, you're going into the fourth down, you know, seven or you're going into the fourth down 10. That's, like, that's a big difference. Yeah, I think one thing, because me and you spoke on the Mavericks preseason. We were a little worried about how they looked in the preseason. We weren't really sure if Derek Lively was going to be able to prop up the defense. The Mavericks are still bottom 10 in defense, but they look significantly improved from last year. I mean, Lively has been a revelation for this team, both offensively and defensively. Defensively, he's giving them rim protection that Powell and Kleber really can't. Offensively, he's giving them a lob threat that's already really adapted to Luka really well. Luka's throwing these crazy kind of like looking into the corner, soft lob into the middle, hard lob. Some of these lob passes are kind of high-velocity passes that Lively's finishing at the rim. One thing I really, really like about Lively is players in his position who are not high usage, they don't get the ball a lot, they don't do get a lot of self-creation. When they get their offensive rebounds, they're kind of immediately looking to put it back. But because this team is so spaced out, when Lively grabs offensive rebounds, he's kicking it out to shooters, and the Mavericks are getting great second-chance looks out of it because of his unselfishness. Yeah, he's like 
he can sneaky pass out of the short roll like like pretty well and that that's something that's only going to get better as the season goes it was it was a little bit of a of a rough game for lively last night 10 points 5 rebounds 5 uh 5 fouls but just his general engagement um how vicious he is of a roller and his obvious connection with Luca already are all things that you got to be like super super impressed by as a uh, Maverick if if you're a Mavericks fan thus far yeah no I think one thing that like touching back on the shooting that I'm just excited about the Mavericks is I think like right now this team has shown they're going to be a playoff team Luca is just he was doing this at the beginning of last season too, so I don't want to, you know, go too crazy. But like, we talked a lot about like they're a small team, like they're playing guys like you know Jaden Hardy, who I love. Jaden Hardy quickly become one of my favorite role players. Jaden Hardy is an amazing is shooter, a, a favorite role player of the Foul Trouble yes, podcast. Like, always seems to take good shots. Always seems to be in the right spot. Is like a lot of NBA teams nowadays are playing so many lineups where you've got like three guys on the court who are like six five and under, and like every time the Mavericks have played a game, there's like. 30 possessions a game where Luca's primary defender, like for whatever reason, isn't guarding him in a cross match. So let's say in the Nets game, Luca's being guarded by Ben Simmons primarily. But if the offensive possession ends in a way where all of a sudden Luca and Ben are on opposite sides of the court and they're like, okay, hey, Cam Thomas, you have to pick up Luca. Or in the Bulls game, it's like, oh, Patrick Williams is on the wrong side of the court. Kobe White, you need to pick up Luca because, you know, you guys are point guards. You tend to be on the same area of the court when the Mavericks are on offense. So when you're running back down, it causes all these transition problems for the other team. And, like, half the Mavericks' possessions start with Luca being like, I'm being guarded by a 6'2 guy, and I'm going to post him up and just get really easy offense out of it. Yeah, and, I mean, that's the that's the Luka Doncic experience right there. Um, and, and you got to feel really good about their, their playoff – so has uh, your opinion on their like playoff resume and, and what they might look like as a playoff team changed from the beginning of the season to this early point in the season? I think they can hang with anybody in a playoff series offensively. Mm-hmm. I think the teams that are really going to be tough for them is the Nuggets because of the size. I think the Nuggets are the one team that like over the course of a series that like size, not just down low, like across the whole lineup is going to give the Mavs kind of like a wear and tear. It is going to be a little bit harder for the Mavericks in the flow of the series. I think the Lakers at full, you know, full tilt could give the Mavs a lot of problems too. Um, if somehow they made it to the finals, I think the Celtics also just a bigger team across the board would give them a lot of problems, but I kind of like them in like, I don't know if they could beat a golden state. Right. But I like yeah. that. I feel like they could hang with them. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking is like that golden state matchup. I, I would n- make me nervous just because I feel like with those, the more like guard oriented teams, really high playoff like caliber teams in the west that's when you start getting like Derek Lively getting into a lot of actions and like moving around a lot getting out of the paint there's a lot of switching and that's when I get like a little bit nervous as well as like you're relying on you know Derek Jones Jr. are you gonna like yeah make some are you gonna continue to make jump shots uh, Josh Green, are you going to continue to make jump shots? So I, I'm like, they're going to go as far as Luca takes them to an extent if they keep getting this kind of contribution from 
the rest of their roster. Um, but um, yeah, do you feel like uh, well before we talk about their ceiling, the thing that uh, going back to the shooting is how many NBA teams like desperately need shooting, like the Pistons desperately need shooting. And one reason they do need shooting is Bojan Bogdanovic or Bogdan Bojan has been out. He hasn't been playing yet. Bojan. Bojan. But like, he's a guy they're going to want for shooting. But is that a situation where he's a bigger wing, someone that the Mavericks would might want, you know, with his size. And they're like, Hey, you need a lot of shooting. How about we give you two shooters and we take in your one shooter or like another player. I think the Mavericks should target. I know the health concerns are really scary. It's like Gordon Hayward though. Another guy who's like just a lot bigger because you know, you start replacing guys like Hardaway with Hayward's and you're just getting a little bit more size, a little bit more defensive, you know, grit, versatility, I think that could really elevate the ceiling of this team. Another person I think this team should target for a team that needs shooting, the New York Knicks always seem to need shooting. And Isaiah Hartenstein, I think, would be awesome on this Mavericks team. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like... I mean, Knicks-Mavericks trades, it's like an annual tradition now. Like, let's get another one going. Let's go. Get another one going. Get some more white guys on the Mavericks. Mark (laughs) Cuban always loves to employ more white guys than any other team. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think your idea is is where they should go. I think they're a little guard-heavy right now, especially when your two best players are Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, like... Once you get to the playoffs, those guys are going to be playing an absurd amount of minutes. So if you can like eke out a couple, you know, if you can get one rock solid guard outside of those two that you know can shoot and you can, you know can play defense, then you've got that like three guard rotation where you're like feeling really good. And then honestly, on the wing, at, like. This this roster just makes a lot more sense than I thought it was going to yeah. going into the season. It's really funny, like last thing on the Mavericks, but over the summer, I was joking with Patrick, I thought the Mavericks could win 66 games. And the whole crux of that really was like when LeBron was on the Cavs in his early stint, he just like dragged them to 66 wins and 61 wins in back-to-back years. And you look at those teams and you're like, how did he do that? And I kind of always felt like Luka is going to be this kind of LeBron level like no matter what team he's on, the offense is going to be amazing. And there's just so much shooting. And that's why, like, even though I was scared of the defense, I think this team just – the shooting – I don't – I think they're going to finish as a top three three-point shooting team. And, like, that's going to give them an edge every night against most teams in the NBA, especially teams like the Magic, who they just beat by 15. Yeah. To your point, they are number one in three-pointers made. They're number two in three-point percentage right now. Like, they are – bombing away i mean i think the like clear difference between a scenario like the early 2000s Cavs with lebron and these mavericks teams is just the west is so much, much better, better yes, than what is. the east was back then so like 66 wins was was doable when you're going up against the charlotte bobcats <laughs> with Omeka okafor as your best player it's a lot tougher when the timberwolves might be like the eighth seed and they're that good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. The last thing on the Mavs is that they lost their in-season tournament game to the Denver Nuggets. So obviously it's been a while since Friday, but now that we've seen the NBA in-season tournament, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, going, going into the in-season tournament day one, I was super, super excited. Like I was all in where, where were you sitting? Like, Preseason, where were you sitting on the in-season tournament? How did you feel about I it? I was definitely dubious. Okay. Definitely dubious. Um, I just, I don't know. It kind of felt like 
kind of random, kind of always like the NBA was like they wanted to, you know, do the soccer style tournament. I guess I was kind of just like, why? It also, I don't know. Now that it's here, do you feel like it's like way too early in the season? Like we're not even like two full weeks into the season and we're already playing what's supposed to be like elevated basketball. For me, no, because I feel like if you do it any later in the year than right now, if you start it, this group play, this group play is going to take a while. Yeah. And if you start it any later in the year, one, you're going to have a lot of injuries. I mean, we've we've already seen, like, n- not to mention the Suns guys who have not been healthy at all, but you've got Jamal Murray already nursing some injuries. The hamstring. Um, and I kind of like the function of the in-season tournament to be, like, there's so much turnover every year in the NBA the in-season tournament can start to serve as like an introduction to like these are all of these all of the NBA teams that are contenders going into the year. This is this is the new look Celtics. This is the new look Suns. This is the like souped up Lakers. That's what I kind of like that as a starting point, especially because hypothetically this is going to be really high level basketball. We'll be able to see. This is like the Lakers trying to play high-level basketball in December. How does that change in, you know, April, May, June? How do you feel about the placement? Uh, I don't know. I guess to me, like, I, I, I see what you're saying. When you, I guess when you're following the NBA day today, that is really interesting to see the evolutions of the team. But I think for a casual fan, I don't know if that matters quite as much. Because I guess the way you're looking at it is like, the in-season tournament playoffs are, I guess, the new official start of the season because it's always been kind of joked around. Like, mm-hmm. the NBA really doesn't start till Christmas. You know, we're, we're still in the thick of football season. So it's, it has always been tough for the NBA, like, viewership-wise, early October, November. But the in-season tournament was, what was it, one of the most viewed regular season days in a long time, I think they said? That is what I heard. I, I don't have the stats on me. But, but yeah, I mean, I think there was, like, a real buzz. Yeah, there was. I mean, the games were really competitive. A lot of one-score games, a lot of really, really competitive games. Like, can, I, can I read my stat that I shared with you? Yeah. Friday's average margin of victory was 4.9 points. That is the second smallest on a single night, minimum seven games, in the last 10 seasons. Which, I don't know if, like, that is just, like, a random happenstance, but... To your point, the games were all super competitive. Did they feel special to you? They did. I think one thing we have to talk about, the courts. Yes. I hate the courts. <laughs> I, lo- I love the courts. I, I'm so I, on the other I side. Like the Milwaukee Bucks court, you know, it's like tan. It's like it doesn't hurt my eyes. Dude, did you watch any of the Heat Wizards game or the, the Mavericks Nuggets I, game? That, that, I watched were, the Maverick, Mavericks Nuggets game. Black jersey contrasted with like a dark royal blue court looked awful like awful combination of colors dude my biggest worry with this whole thing is like are they gonna be able to make the group stages feel special and i felt like when you turn on the tv and you see this bright red court in portland you just instantly know like what the hell is going on like there's something special going on and it it really did it did it for me and you know what i like (laughs) sorry you're good (laughs) i i 
I, I'm with it. Like, people were saying it was hurting their eyes, but, like, I felt like the more I watched, the more, like, I just forgot about it. I, I don't know. See, I think for me, I'm super pro special courts for the in-season tournament. I agree with you. Like, turning on the TV and seeing the crazy court, I was like, okay, we're doing this. I really like that, like, the city jerseys, which league-wide were, were pretty bad this year, kind of felt like they had some new purpose to them. It felt like, okay, these are your these are your in-season tournament jerseys. The Mavericks did not wear their city jersey. But I think, like, it is really cool that it's kind of actually given some, you know, actual purpose to these jerseys instead of just being, you know, your annual $120 donation to Nike. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I think the court's got to get toned down just because, like, I don't know, like – I think my problem with those, like the Nuggets court, for example, is like they're wearing these like black jerseys that they just don't go with the blue. They're they're just not a good mix. But the other team basically has to wear white. I don't know. I guess it. I don't know. And it's like it is an eyesore, in my opinion. The Heat's jersey, the Heat's court, sorry, well, and jersey is legendarily bad. I I like the red. It's the gray stripe down the middle. Just. Oh, it's, it's not the, we're the hardest working team, the most disciplined written on the paint. Hey, That's we, not the part. <laughs> we haven't we haven't gotten that in a live game yet. Thus far, the paint just has the in-season tournament um, like trophy as the paint, which I thought was a was a really nice nice touch. No matter what way they go with the uh, with the courts going forward, I think that they should definitely keep that. But um, for those of you that don't know what James is talking about, there was a leaked image of what I, I guess the Miami Heat. I guess the Heat are going to have a special court with their Heat culture, culture jerseys. jerseys after the in-season tournament is done, and the paint will be written with like a manifesto of like <laughs> cliches. It, yeah, it's like hardest working, most disciplined toughest team and it's like it's so cringe it's the most cringe court of all time and it is the least great. it's not heat culture it's not great i wish they would have just put like udonis haslam's like name like and then that's it or <laughs> it just, just like says it just says haslam <laughs> or maybe like his birth certificate well, I know the Heat culture thing is a little cliche, Patrick, but the Heat won again last night wearing their Heat culture jerseys. So I think that's 2-0 in the culture jerseys. That That is 2-0 in the culture jerseys. Um, um, maybe that's because they look like practice jerseys and the Heat probably take practice so seriously. It's, it's all about the practice. Let's go. <laughs> Pat Riley. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in What was your favorite fun. court? Oh, Milwaukee's for sure. Milwaukee. No, 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 no. I'm out on that. Um, I just need them to rein it back. I can't do like you can cover your court in a color, but it can't be like dark blue, dark red. It it needs to be like subdued. Do whatever you want with that middle stripe that they all have. Cool I thought the that. tan was just ugly, and I don't like the the Wisconsin logo, the blue <laughs> Wisconsin logo. It's an odd one. Like that's so not Bucks to me. I really like. Did you see the Blazers one? Yeah, it was red. It had it had kind of the tan stripe going down the middle, which made it feel a little bit normal. But then, I mean, my like NBA history heart fluttered with you've got the Dr. Jack Ramsey plaid Rip City logo right in the middle. It was beautiful. I think those might be the most beautiful city jerseys of this like round of city jerseys. I have a question for you. Do you think that they designed the jerseys first 
or the See, courts this, first. I think this is the real issue is the jerseys and the courts clearly are meant to go together, right? Yeah. Like the Denver one, the one I keep hitting on, has that 5280. It's the elevation of Denver. It's on the front of the jersey. It's on the middle of the court. Like the Knicks one, they have that doubled up Knicks logo. It's on the jersey. It's on the court. But like, I'm sorry. I know the Denver designer is bad because I saw the jersey, but there's no way you thought that court complimented that jersey. Clearly, these were meant to go hand in hand. I'm sure the NBA teams didn't find out about this last week. Yeah, the 5280 looks cool center court, but it looks so. It and looks like a, a lot cat of the city fell jerseys. asleep on a laptop. A lot of the city jerseys this year look really bad as jerseys and look really good as courts, but they do not look good together. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'll, I'll give it to you, but you know, I'm a lot. So, yeah. so I'm okay with it. Um, um, yeah, the in-season tournament's fun. I like that like point differential and like point scored or some of the factors because I do think that's going to lead to some, hopefully lead to some crazy thing. My worry is like we get to a situation where maybe Team X needs to win by 14 and they like don't even realize it because a lot of the players, Damian Lillard, after winning an in-season tournament game was like, I don't know what's going on. Bones Highland also said, I don't know what's going on. You know so what? I'm a little but worried these guys might not actually know the criteria for winning their group other than winning. That Adam, That's Adam Silver's fault. Like, first of all, it's not that complicated. Okay, I'm, I'm no genius, and I was able to understand what the rules to the in-season tournament were and how you qualify and whatnot. But how are they not sitting down all these players and being like, look, guys, we're trying to sell this tournament you you guys collectively bargained this tournament to be a part of the NBA season. This is how it works. Like, I it's well. I, I guess I guess what's 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 tricky for me, right? Let's say you have a team that to to win to make it into the wild card spot. So there's one wild card spot for each conference. They need to win their next game by let's say ten. Let's say they're up by six with like a minute and a half left, right? You could try to bomb threes, play at a frenetic pace to get to that 10-point margin. But if you're not playing in a ball-control style, clock-killing style, you're opening yourself up for a potential comeback more, which could hurt you in the regular season standing. So I think that's where well, it's going to be hard for NBA teams to necessarily go for something like point differential when it comes down to these final games. Well, I believe the wild card slots are determined by it will be the team with the best record that doesn't win their group. But there's going to be a lot of teams that are tied. But the point differential is for its teams that are tied in the group stages. And I I get what you're saying, but I think on the other side of that, that like made these games like really like I don't think any of these teams took their foot off the gas. And and it at least in the first day, I think the best team of every game won that game. Yeah, no. Pacers versus Cavs. The games were great. Maybe I'm hoo-hooing and I'm yucking some yum and I'm, <laughs> I'm being a downer. I'm just, I think my concerns, like I just want to see it play out this season and next season before we crown it a W or an yeah. M. I think the other is thing is like moving forward, it will be a lot easier to follow because yeah. everyone's going to know how it works. You know, there's never going to be another first year of the in-season tournament, and that is to its advantage. That's true. All right. Well, I think that's everything on the in-season tournament. Should we get to best take, worst take? Let's get to best take, worst take. All right. Every week, Patrick and I take the best take and the worst take NBA-related. And at the end of every month, the worst takes 
of the week are going to be pitted against each other. We're going to decide the worst take of the month. At the end of the season, the worst take of every month will be crowned the worst take of the year. And so, Patrick, who's your best take? My best take goes to Orlando Magic star Joe Ingles. He said, talking about Donovan Mitchell, I think he'll play for New York one day, whether that's sooner or later. And now, whether this is a take or not, I don't know. And how this is not tampering, I don't understand at all. I realize, I guess it's because he plays for the Magic and not the Knicks. Yeah, he's an unrelated party. But, like, to say this about the superstar of a team in your conference, I love it. It's like throwing this little chaos bomb in. And I think the Cavs and the Magic are going to be fighting for playoff position. Joe Ingles is kind of putting a little bit of like juice into that, at least I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a take. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a take, right? It's a pretty good take. If if Mitchell ends up on the Knicks, if he doesn't ever end up on the Knicks, if we and you are sitting here 14 years from now and he's never a Nick, we're going to revisit Joe Ingles' proclamation yeah. and decree it. <laughs> we're putting it in a time capsule right now. Yeah. We're going to bury it in the backyard and yeah. then talk about it in 25 years. I do think it's a weird take. Obviously, he was teammates with Don for a long time. He probably knows him. Mitchell's probably expressed to him wanting to go back to New York. It's kind of seemed like Donovan Mitchell's always wanted to play for the Knicks. I don't know if the Knicks are ever going to go there. There's been a lot of reporting lately that they actually don't aren't that high on Mitchell. He, he seems like a, totally not what they need, you know? I mean, like, anyone can use a guy that can score, like, 45 in any given playoff game, but, like... If I could choose any star archetype, it would probably not be like the smaller shooting like, guard, shooting guard my other guy. next to Brunson. Yeah. Because Brunson, I mean, we didn't really talk about that game, uh, the in-season, in-season tournament. tournament game. He was awesome, yeah. Damn, Brunson is so good. A 45-point just like masterclass. His three-point shot wasn't even working, and he was just – it didn't matter. He, he was the entire reason that the Knicks were in that game. Julius Randle, dude. <laughs> We're going to touch on him at some point. Dude. But my best take, this is now a two-time winner, maybe a three-time winner. We might need one of you guys to track the, the all-time winners. Maybe we should crown a best take winner if someone just ends the season with like a ludicrous amount of best takes. Yeah, yeah. Father Time, LeBron James said, our guy, said, quote, We're like the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. They have not gained or outscored any of their opponents, and yet they have a winning record. The reason I love this take, Patrick, is... I think usually cross-sport comparisons are really, really hard. Like, this week, Trace Young, talented defensive end, got traded, and my friend Chris asked me, explain this to me in NBA terms, and I'm like, Tyreek Evans, when his rookie of the year was kind of close in the rear view, you know, it was, it was, it was not that far away, so you still think of him as a stud, but we're like in year three or four, and we're like, why has this guy not done anything since then? So that was my NBA comparison, but this one is perfect. I've watched so many Laker games. Um, over the last few seasons, and the Lakers really are a team that when you watch them, it never feels like they're winning. Even the year they won the chip, they were the one seed. They always won ugly, ugly games. And like last night, Cam Reddish for the win. Yeah, That's the exactly. most Pittsburgh Steelers of basketball thing you've ever heard. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I applaud a good cross-sport comparison. Yeah. I mean, if we were talking heads right now, we would say like, MJ would never compare himself to a middle of the road NFL team. Yes. (laughs) 
MJ would only compare himself to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> um, but uh, I love the uh, just r- realness coming from LeBron. I, I give him that. But I will say it's a red flag because he's right. <laughs> well, I will say last year, I don't know if it tops last year when he said they couldn't throw a ball into the or throw a rock into the ocean because they couldn't shoot. <laughs> he gets on, he's like, we can't shoot. I mean, it just is what it is. I, I kind of like that LeBron's just like, you know what? Fuck it, man. I'm almost 40. Like, if you guys suck, I'm just going to say it. You guys suck. Yeah, yeah. He's entered his his old man phase. Um, okay, what's, what's your worst take? It's got to be Shaq. Uh, he said, y'all acting like you've never seen a guy like Wimbenyama. Bull Bull is the first guy to do it. Yeah, that is... Now, when you expand what Shaq was saying, he was like a big man at that height who can handle and who can shoot. Um, Bull Bull can't shoot. Bull Bull can't shoot. <laughs> and now it's funny... That Shaq was your worst take of the week because I have a very similar worst take of the week. It was made by a fellow um, Finals MVP, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, championship player, my guy Zeke. Uh, no, he's not my guy. He's not my guy at all. He's he is my worst take of the week recipient. Isaiah Thomas said on the broadcast of the Suns. Pistons game this Sunday that Bull Bull may be the Phoenix Suns' best ball handler and passer. I'm sorry. It's one thing saying that we've seen a tall guy shoot and handle the ball before. That's kind of true. If you there's like a monochrome. Yeah, if you squint and like close one of your close your good eye, but Saying that the Phoenix Suns' best ball handler and passer is Bull Bull. Like, last time I checked, the Suns' plane didn't crash with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker on that plane. and every guard on the roster. Yeah, and literally every other guard on the roster. Like, that is insane. (laughs) Yeah, like, Eric Gordon's like, are we not going to talk about me? I can definitely handle the ball better than Bull Bull. Eric Gordon had 10 assists and zero turnovers in that game. Bull Bull's career high in assists is one. Like, absolutely insane. What does Bull Bull have on not only the NBA – but the NBA Hall of Fame fraternity, like these guys just, they're so, they're so like reluctant to like give young Steph his flowers and like young LeBron his flowers. But Bull Bull, they're just like getting on their knees and they're like ready to like just do whatever this guy wants. Like why? He's awful. <laughs> Manu Bull must have been like the greatest guy ever. He must have been. Like, <laughs> like just so many solids. Like, did he save everyone's life? I have no idea. But it's just an absolutely insane take. And I will not settle until you tell me that this is the worst take of the week. Well, it's obviously the worst take of the week. Thank like, Shax, you. Shaxx was really, really bad. I don't get what point he was trying to make. I don't know. Are you trying to downplay Wembenyama? Like, what are we... What are we doing? Um, speaking of, last podcast, me and you caught some flack for glazing over Wemby. And look, they just lost by 40. Maybe we were a little ahead of ourselves. But you know what? I think we're not. years from now when we're revisiting Joe Ingles' take and when we revisit our take, I think we're going to come out pretty on top there. Um, but yeah, that, Isaiah Thomas is the worst take of the week. I'll be honest, Patrick. I don't see that take losing the rest of the month. Yeah. I. You got to – Stephen A., uh, Skip, you guys got to come with some fire this this uh, month because Isaiah Thomas right off the rip 
came with a, a banger of a worst take. Yeah, no, that's pretty bad. I, I question because like, we didn't talk about it. So Patrick Beverly has his podcast. Mm-hmm. He's already said the Raptors have no dogs. They beat the Raptors twice. He's just poo-pooing them. He's like, no dogs, I told you guys. He is just the perfect Philly athlete. Um, the, the other day he said, your favorite star player wants me on their team. Do you think Patrick Beverly is going to have a moment where he flies like too close to the sun at some point this season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, he loves he loves being Icarus. That That is what he does. And, like, I mean, he's going to have every single season – for Patrick Beverly ends in him doing something super stupid. And as his he gets older and his skills continue to, to diminish, it's going to get stupider and stupider, especially if the Sixers are in like a deep playoff round. He's going to end up like, I don't know, like slashing Darius Garland's tires or, or something crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we've got... Paul George, we've got Draymond Green, and we've got Pat Bev. I think maybe like we also should crown like active NBA player with the worst takes. Yeah, at the yeah, end of the season, that might be a good that might be a good idea. Uh, let us know how how many different variations we could maybe do a worst take award show at the oh, end of the year. The, we're gonna have to do the takeoff at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> it, it will be a very very special episode. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we are rambling. We will catch you guys on Friday. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. The support has been amazing lately. Thank you for helping us grow the show. Rate us five stars on Spotify, Apple Pod, everywhere you get your pods. We'll see you next time. Peace.